you're listening to the Blank Podcast, and this is episode two. I am Mr. Fazelis, but for this conversation, call me Kevin. And weekly, I will have a few of my students join me for an enlightening discussion about the books that we're reading in class. This week, we have Sion, Emma, Elena, also known in my class as Coyote, and Daniel to discuss the novel, The Metamorphosis. Today, we'll talk about the ending of Franz Kafka's classic novel, novel The Metamorphosis, and their thoughts on Letters to His Father, which is a 45-page letter that Franz Kafka wrote to his dad. And the students will be sharing some exciting facts and thoughts and analysis on the book. All right, so Emma, how are your classes and or work going? All right, they're piling up. You're trying to keep up with all of them. Cyan, how, is, how are classes going? Solid, solid. Coyote, how are classes going? I'm just trying to do better All right, attendance? Yeah. Okay, Daniel, how are classes and work? Go. Okay, uh, my class is getting better. Work is pretty good. Um, so. All right, how's life going? Like, how's your general life going? It's all right. Honestly, thinking that it could be better, but you know, this is me. All right, Coyote, how's life going? All right, so you're doing track team. Life is happy. Um, Sion, how's life going? I'm lost. You're just lost in life? Yeah, I don't have any direction. You don't have any direction? What happened? Um, I don't know. Like, it just, I don't have desires. Like, I don't, want, I don't know what I want. Is this like a senior year thing or is this like a usual thing? No, it's never happened. Oh, no, it's probably a senior year thing. No, it's happened like I'm not like all throughout high school. Oh. I mean, listen, high school is like a weird transition period. To be honest, you'll probably find yourself to be more fulfilled when you have more time to think about this stuff. You can ponder the world in college. Um, how's your life going, Emma? Oh, you guys are lost? Oh, man. You guys are lost. I don't know. Damn. I don't know. I feel like this is where I'm like supposed to give you guys like some deep advice, but... I don't know. I don't know. At 18, 19, I kind of really knew where things were going either. Listen, here's, here's the best advice I can give you. Don't do anything really, really stupid. And maybe this will work out. Not 100% it'll work out, but maybe it'll possibly work out. But Emma, we'll go back with you. How are the post-secondary plans going? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. College or anything else you want to do? All right, being patient. Siam, what are the post-secondary plans? All right, waiting for an answer? Yeah. All right. Coyote, you've already made, made a major decision? Yeah. All right. And Coyote's going to the army. <laughs> We're shocked, though. Again, two more inches would not have been able to. Daniel, what are you doing in the future? Uh, I want to do the science, and I'm just waiting for a few more. Substances to okay. All right, that is super cool. All right, I'm gonna go with Daniel and circle back. All right, what fun things are happening to teenagers right now? What is trending? Well, honestly, for me, I'm gonna be 
Okay. So uh, I'm introducing myself. So that's what I'm into right now. And that's why I see this was trending into me since that's literally all I get on my social media app. Okay. Is it the Elden Ring? Because I heard the Elden Ring is big. No, I'm more of a Valorant player, so you'll find out one thing if you search it up. All right, I don't know what that is, and I'm probably not going to figure it out because I'm too old. Okay. Elena, what is trending in your world right now? What's hap- what fun things are happening to teenagers? Well, I'm always doing something, so I'm not really up to date exactly with what's going on, but like, the people my friends usually talk about, so it's like TikTok or something like that. The, tic- the TikTok, okay. Uh, Sion, I don't know what actually interests you outside of the building. What's trending right now in your life? What's happening to teenagers? Okay, so you're into the incense, the home decor, the feng shui, trying to get the energies right. All right, you're a spiritual kid. I had no idea you're a spiritual kid. Emma, what about you? What's trending in your life right now? Yeah, I know you're into the anime because one day you were on the board and you signed your name, you signed your first name, Emma, but then you gave yourself like this, an- this anime like last name, Uzumaki, and I was just like, this kid's a nerd. <laughs> but no, it was, it was funny though, yes. I've never gotten into the anime. It, it, it seems like it's very interesting. It's just, I've never stuck with it. Like I watched the Avatar: The Last Airbender, and I was like, "This is," I was like, "This is really good." I just have no interest to pursue this out of it. Even though I know it's like the biggest thing in the building, I have no interest to pursue it out of it. One kid in the library told me it's not a real anime though, so I can't. I can't be. Yeah, I know it's not. Yeah, I didn't want to say it. Yeah, okay. No, no, I know you anime kids are snobs. It's okay. I try to relate, but I'm just not, I don't know. Again, I have the nerdy makeup and everything. It just doesn't happen. (laughs) Okay, so now we're going to summarize the metamorphosis and the ending as well so emma go ahead read your summary for everyone gregor one day woke up a cockroach this was very unfortunate for gregor because he was the breadwinner from his for his family and they depended on him for income his family the southmost had to had to go through many changes including everyone getting a job plus having to take care of gregor after a while gregor's family got tired of him and wanted him gone Finally, when Gregor died, his family was very happy to see and was very happy to see him gone and totally forgot about him. All right. So All right. So the first thing we're going to address here about the metamorphosis since we're done with the book in class and we've moved on to another text, here's the question I want to ask you guys first. What was the thing that stuck out to you most about the text now that we've reached the end? What was the thing that grabbed you the most from the text itself? And it can be anything. Well, for me, it was the horror of being alone and having no support. Wow. Like, 
Was it because you never considered that could ever happen? Yeah, because I didn't think my family would do that. But my family hasn't done that yet. So. Oh, okay. What stuck out to me the most about the trip was how the family really didn't care for Gregor anymore, and we're happy he died after everything he did. But um, that really hurt. Like it hurt. That honestly really did hurt me. Like damn. Oh wow, that's interesting. Sion, what what stuck out to you? I was thinking it's like the nature, like the way it was written. Like, I thought it was, like, a modern-day, what a Coffin thought would be, like, a, a prophecy throughout his life, and maybe those who had a similar, like, upbringing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Coyote, go ahead. Uh, the thing that shocked me the most was the same thing about how your family could betray you and abandon you, and... For me, it was shocking that his sister would do that, especially since she was the one who showed that she cared a little bit more about him than anyone else. Because she would try to take care of him a little bit, and then at the end, she was the one who wanted to give it a bit. Um, I want to stick on the family thing and ask like a follow-up question here. I mean, did you guys never consider that this could happen to a family, or and has it affected the way you see your family? No, I, I know for a fact it happened. Like, I see it. I see it a lot. You know, there's certain stuff that I don't know. But it's like, I, it's just more of the fact that it happened to him because, you know, like, he was literally the person they all depended on. So it's just like, you know, you just throw him under the bus when you don't need him. And it's just like, that's really fucked up. I mean, it's, it's really fucked up. It's fine. Yeah. It's the fact that of you being used and then it's thrown away so easily. Wow. I mean, has this made you guys, I don't know, like, look at your families differently? No. So, so no. Like, it just like it kind of opened my eyes to maybe expect that it could happen. You know. Okay. I think the thing is the same thing. Like I was, it definitely didn't cross my my mind about my family because like I know my family is good. Like we're good people and we all like think about each other and we think about each other's feelings and stuff like that. But if, like you said, it's also something that you know you should be aware of because it can happen to anybody. Okay. I think the book opened up like. Our perception of family in the sense that like people family isn't like it it's one word and it's one unit one unit but it's it's made of its parts so like each person has to play its part and like it's a bunch of mirrors like you, you you're seeing only how others see you. you you don't see they don't see you working hard necessarily they just see you know you're only able to do so much so the idea of family isn't necessarily what you could see as. Uh, no, I, I, I actually agree with what you're saying. As what you're saying, like, really, what we are in a lot of ways is how people perceive us, right? Like, how people see us, and how people see us is really what we are to the public, and it's just like a really interesting thing. Like, I always find this interesting, and I don't want to go so deep into this because other teachers listen to this, but like, sometimes kids will be like, oh man, I was talking with one of my friends and people seem to hate you. And I'm just like, oh, that's cool. Like, and then like, but then I'll talk to another kid and they'll be like, oh man, you're like my favorite. And I'm just like, I guess I'm whatever to what people would want, but no, this is true, right? You're whatever to what, how people perceive you. And there's very little you can do about it. It's this really weird, bizarre thing because we do see Gregor try to make overtures to the family, but it didn't really matter. 
because the family wanted to see him as the enemy, as the root of all their problems. So he was the root of all their problems. Man, this is something so like, I don't know, it's like a really fascinating thing in so many ways about like how your family perceives you. But you mentioned an interesting thing about you believe your family are good people. And I've never met your family. I, well, actually, I met your sister. She was here, and then your younger sister is here. Are you middle? Are you middle, child? Oh, okay. Um, but here's the thing, though. Like, I don't know. Like, is there such a thing as good people? Yeah. I would think I would just treat them like a good person. Like, but if I was to put in a situation with them, like, I would understand. I would understand somewhat. But at the same time, I think I would be more like Greek, like Greg was. Okay. The beginning, always, because. I'm always like that. I always have to deal with a whole bunch of stuff I don't want to deal with, even though it's not necessarily a roach. Yeah. Roach. And I'm a, and I'm a big sister, so it's like I'm the oldest in my house, so it's like I have to do a lot of stuff. So it's like I don't think my family will betray me, okay. but I don't keep that. Like I don't push that away. Okay. I don't know about you guys. Do you think good people exist? Good and bad people? Is life binary like that? They're very evil people and they're very good people, I think. I can't really give my opinion on that, honestly, because I haven't found someone that has that good of a heart. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. I've been mean to people. I think we're all mean to people. I think, listen, you know, being mean is kind of fun sometimes. Like you said, like, if you're, being, if you're able to be mean to someone, Yeah, listen, I think that's true. Listen, I think people are inherently complicated. I think people are inherently complicated. I think the people we all would be is based on the context of what the situation is. I just think that's just the reality of what it is. All right, um, let me ask you guys, and this is just a world life question here. Is it possible for human beings to find pleasure in working or is it just a drain? Is it possible for people to be interested since you have a job or you're starting working, Daniel, is it possible for human beings to find pleasure in working or is it just a drain? I mean, for me right now, my job, I find it enjoyable, I guess. Like, I'm not, it was better than my Marshall's job, I would say, since I was just only on the register and I really disliked that and my manager was just really not it. But now I'm always like somewhere else. I'm always in like, the fitting room, on the floor, or sometimes in the fitting room, but it's not as often. So it's really enjoyable since I'm all over the place and I get to do something instead of just stand behind the counter and wait for someone to come up to me. Um, and I do think there is a possibility for people to find pleasure in doing work, but then it depends on if they enjoy it or not, honestly, because it could drain someone if they're not really enjoying their work. As I said, I just, I kind of felt drained at the Marshall. Okay, that's interesting. Coyote, your parents run a restaurant, you help in it. I don't know. Do you feel like work is something that people find pleasure in, or is it just a drain? Uh, I think it just depends if they like doing it. Like for example, my dad, he loves to work, so for him, it's something he likes to do a lot every single day. And for my mom, if it was her choice, she would she wouldn't go and work at all. <laughs> she 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 wants to help him out, so that's how she works. But sometimes she wouldn't work as much as he does. Okay. What about you? When you're doing it, do you find pleasure in working at your parents' restaurant, or do you just think this is the drain? I'd rather stay home. Sometimes, 
sometimes I do like it, but depending on the situation, there's sometimes doing certain things I don't want to do, or like dealing with people over there, it's just like, sometimes I don't want to do it. Um, you two, have you guys worked at all, officially? No, I haven't, but... Are you, are you excited to actually work? Is it something that you guys want to do? Been searching since like last year for a job to be like, damn, it's, it's kind of hard, you know. Like, listening to you guys like talk about it, I'm just like, I don't know, I'm looking for jobs, and I can never, but um, I think that um, it is possible for human beings to find pleasure in working because my mom, you should have been saying like Daniel was saying he didn't like cashier, my mom loves to be a cashier. I don't know why, but like, I guess you can do that, I guess you can find love. I, th I think there's something interesting about like mundane aspects of work that are interesting. Like, I think there's something about the mundane that is kind of fun. What about you, Sion? Are you excited to look for work, or is this something you're just dreading doing one day? Um, I don't really want to work. But <laughs> I understand, like, kind of need money. So, yeah, I mean, like, careers are interesting to me. So, you know, so I'm doing something that will be fulfilling. I think career entrepreneurship would be something that I look into, but like a job. I don't know. Work is an interesting th work is an interesting thing. I've always been able to enjoy my job, whatever I've done, the many things I've done, because I always feel I can make the most mundane things interesting to me. But no, like I don't know. Work is an interesting thing. Like, do I find pleasure in working? Like, I don't know. Like, I find pleasure in teaching, but I feel like for all the wrong reasons. Like, I say this, and I think it sounds terrible. Like, I'm not one of these teachers who's like, oh my God, I love educating the youth and sending off the next generation. It's cool or whatever. But like, literally my interest from working comes from like whatever ridiculous thing I can come up to do in a classroom. Like for instance, oh, let's see if I can force kids, let's, let's see if I can make kids do a podcast. <laughs> or let me see if I can, people will not see this, let me see if I can get a sword and make kids do a sword fight for Macbeth. Like, Oh yeah, like we had a sword and we decided people to sword fighting and stuff like that. Like, I actually before the pandemic, I was actually gonna buy like buy like like the fake blood stuff. And you know when Lady Macbeth like kills herself, I was gonna have one of the girls. You remember Michelle Baez? Yeah, I was gonna have her because playing Lady like Macbeth. I was gonna have her like cover her hands in blood. And she was just like gonna be like, oh, I'm dead. But like that's how I find pleasure in work. Like it's literally just about all right, how ridiculous can I make class? Um, he was this dude who stabbed his friends in the back and then became all guilt written. And then yeah, he he yeah, he he stabbed his friend to become the king and then just got really messy, you know, started seeing like dead people and stuff. Yeah, and they were all guilty, like yeah, like, yeah, well, I mean, sophomore year, you know, I was still young, but anyway. And, you know, pandemic didn't happen, but, you know. Um, I do think people can find pleasure in work, but I do think it's hard. I think finding pleasure in work is hard. And that can sometimes be a drain trying to create that pleasure, but, you know, it is what it is. If I was rich or married rich, I'd probably never work. House husband. All right, so um, if you think of all the characters here, which characters experienced the most significant metamorphosis throughout the novel? Greet, why Greet? Greet and Gregor. Especially Greet because, you know, he was first the most loving and kindness and considerate to Gregor and then he wanted she wanted him gone. And it's just like damn, like people really change. And then 
Gregor, who was actually turned into a roach, I like I think he went through a metamorphosis on like learning or realizing that his family didn't like him. Um, I would I agree with you on both points here, actually. Do you guys think um do you guys want to add on to that or do you guys think any other characters really had a yeah, no, I agree with you. In fact, if you like really think about the feminism thing we're talking about now in the dollhouse, her character really had that glow up where she went from like, oh, she's like really dainty, she doesn't work, she doesn't do anything to I now take care of my roach brother person. And now like I actually, you know, like do all these responsibilities in the house and have a job. These are not things they would have allowed her to do. So it's a really interesting, also it's a very feminist book if you think about it in kind of a way. Um, that's a quick question. Let's breeze to this. In the end, the death of the family allows, oh, not the death of the family, the death of Gregor allows the family to be free and existential. Is this a fair ending considering Gregor's sacrifices? Do you think the ending is fair considering Gregor's sacrifices? No. Why is it not fair? I personally say no since the amount of stuff he did really helped him out from the beginning after his parents couldn't work anymore. Okay. And his sister was still in school, but also he didn't want her working and he wanted her to focus on the school. And he was ready to put much more to push her to get her out of the house and get her to that music school, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. And he was going to do so much for her, pay off the school and do everything. And then she just pushes him to the side and just leaves him for dead at that time. Like, so, cool. I don't think it's fair. I agree. I think it's a disrespect. I think that closure. How fast they closed her, like how it happened. I think it was very disrespectful to Gregor because it was like, damn, like, like what Daniel was said about, like, when you really go in depth with what he, how much he really wanted to do and how much he did do for them, it's just like you really messed up for really just like everything, everything, everything he did, and y'all just gonna just throw him to the side. I thought that was very bad. Do you two here agree? I agree with what they said. It was like really unfair because he wasn't happy either and he was doing everything he had to do to support his family. And he, even though he didn't want to keep on doing it, sometimes he would think about quitting it and not doing it anymore. And he still decided to do it for his family and he put them first before himself. And at the end, they didn't care about him at all. Um, well, I guess my follow up question to this is I mean, do endings have to be fair? Like, is there such a thing as a fair ending for anybody, really? Yeah, I thought it was good. I was going to say, um, I thought it was just because um, I think it was actually a happy ending for the most part, except for Gregor. I mean, that can only be happy because he was freed from, like, having to work for his family. And oh, wow. I never thought about that like that. Himself. So, like, I think it kind of is, like, like freed others and liberated his family. If he didn't turn to a roach necessarily, then his um, sister wouldn't have became independent and his mother and father would recognize how much they could do as well. Oh, so you look at his death as like the one final sacrifice. Some like that, or like the, like the, like the zenith, like the final ending at the top of the 
That's really cool. I've never looked at it like that. Because like when you said like Brett, like his sister, and you're looking at it at a, in a feminist lens, it looks like really empowering. So that's how I got to that. Oh wow, that's really cool. I was just I was just thinking like from the aspect of like, listen, I don't think endings are really fair. I just think things just kind of break the way you work, break the way they do. You know, life is what life is. It's like when we were talking about I think what we were talking about in class. Is it nihilism? Well, it was during the stranger. I was just like, yeah, like, like, I don't know. It's like one of the isms. Pretty much like none of the stuff makes sense. It doesn't really break in any real way that actually does make sense. So now we're going to talk about Kafka's letters to his father. I will summarize this one because letters to his father is pretty straightforward. Franz Kafka wrote a letter to his father, which was about 45 pages long, about all the conflicts they had in their relationship, pretty much. He thought his father did not like him, and he expressed his feelings about why he thought that may be and why he also disliked his father as well. It's this really emotional letter that is one of my favorite things to teach because I don't know, again, we don't get to talk about all the author's real lives like that. So I think my first question to you guys, I actually did not write this down for you, but I'm gonna ask you guys this question. What, will, for, what was it like reading the letter though? Getting to read this guy's letter to his dad that expressed all of these like emotions, like what were your takeaways from the letter on that point of view? I mean, not sweet. I think it was deep. All right, I watch a lot of anime, and I get to see a lot of people's point of like in anime. In anime, you could see everybody gets a point of view. We get to see how everybody thinks, not just like a situation. And it's just like that's kind of cool because he's expressing himself, and not a lot of people do that. Mm, that's interesting. Coyote, what did you think about the letter? Just that, just what he had to say, or just the idea of the letter. It was really deep. Like he would talk about how he was afraid of basically expressing himself, I believe, to his father, and how even just writing about it was like a little overwhelming, overwhelming to him. Okay. What do you think, Daniel? To me, the letter was like really eye-opening, and it gave me a deeper meaning to what the story was about. Honestly since it was basically his perspective, but in someone's eyes and him turning into something very monstrous. And the fact that he wrote all of that after, even then they still didn't have a good relationship, even after all those were written up, was very, very key to me. Like, damn. Sian, what did you think about the letter itself? I wish he would have like seen or spoke to his father. Like, or we, it would be like an interview. I would have done that. I think that meeting would fit more with how he would be able to express himself. I mean, although he wrote it. Yeah. All right. So this is gonna be the last question. I want me to cut you off. But actually, wait. What you said just makes a good transition to why a letter? Why not a direct conversation? He most likely sent a letter, sent a direct conversation. 
sister and brother never be close, I guess. But I, what I really felt was like, because you know, you usually you write a letter to get in contact with somebody that's far away. So this is like when you use that, and then the fact that they didn't maybe didn't have a good relationship, like it's like I don't know, something together. Um, what do you think? Why a letter? Not why not a direct conversation? Well, for me, it was the fear that he had. He didn't want to do it. He, his fear like overtook his his confidence. I believe. So okay. it was just like not there for him to. It was not an option to him. Okay. Um, Kylie, why do you think a letter? Um, like uh, said, uh, he was afraid of him and. I don't think he wanted to like uh, confront him in person, but he still wanted to tell him. So I guess the only option he had left was to leave him a letter. Um, I'm gonna just interject this. I don't know. Don't you think like maybe a letter is like a better way to actually communicate with people than a direct conversation? I don't know. Like, am I the only person who gets overwhelmed by conversations? I'm trying to be there honestly, because it's like face on face. It's kind of like an interview thing where you and your interviewer are together. They're not like, it's like that basically where Gregor is the person getting interviewed and the father is the person that has like the overconfidence in that position. I think I think letters are cool and this is something I do like with text messages or emails. Like I always write them out and like I reread them to think about like how do I really want to say the thing I want to say. Because the fact is you only have like a finite time to say something before someone else responds to you. I so I think like that's an interesting thing because like when I have something to say important to say in a, in a lesson, I'll like rehearse it at home and be like, all right, this is the thing that's gonna make some big people understand what the hell I'm talking about. So no, I just pace a lot and just pick up with that. Or sometimes I'll hear something in a video or like a, a thing. I'm like, this would make sense. But no, I agree with you. I think fear has a lot to do with the letter. But I also think the letter itself is, you know, just a good vehicle to express like information. But the one thing about the letter that I do think is super, super weird and I can't get past it, it's 45 pages. Yeah. It's 45 pages. It's 45. It's four, it's basically it's basically like 10 pages less than the book about why don't you like me? I don't understand. And like I'm sad and I'm a sad boy and I want you to like me. It's really weird. And I feel I feel uncomfortable reading it, but it is what it is. But bringing this to like a conversation, I guess we all can jump into. From your point of view, why are relationships between children and parents complicated? For, for me, it's the growing up aspect. Okay. When growing up, if they do not have a close relationship, it's not gonna last to their adulthood. So once you grow up, and if your parent is not expecting it too honestly, I think that it's not gonna take it. The parent in your own eyes is not worth your time once you get to adulthood since they were never there for you. Wow, that's really profound. Look at you. I think parents and children relationships are complicated because parents are supposed to be for their children. And you know, when they don't, or when like, I don't know, when you like, when you wait, I don't know how to explain this because I've been through it. It's just. I'm sorry, let me think. Go ahead, Sam. Sam, why do you think par relationships between parents and children are complicated? Because um, there's differing levels of maturity. And so then people aren't ready to hear the right things or if it's not presented in the right way, it could, like, they can misinterpret a lot of messages. 
Cody, what do you think? Sometimes, uh, like he said about maturity, sometimes even parents can't be understanding about certain things. So, like, sometimes in situations, let's say I want to talk to my parents about something, sometimes they wouldn't be understanding, so then, like, the next time I wouldn't be so sure about talking to them about it. Interesting. I agree that some parents can be childish. Like, it's more like they're supposed to be the adult and you're supposed to be the child, but they're also a child. So it's just like, how does that work? How do you do that? Because now the child is always, there's always, there's always a problem with this child. And you're a child as well. So what are we supposed to do? Is that what you would say before? Yeah. Okay. All right. So let me ask you this question. If you guys feel like you have good relationships with your parents, why do you think that is? Because I'm mature. Because you're mature. I think because we both mature. Okay. So you feel like you're you're both able to level? Yeah. What about you guys? Why do you think, if you have good relationships with your parents, why do you think you, it is? Well, um, for me, I have more of a good relationship with my mother. She's more understanding about things, and we're able to communicate more well. Okay. It's always been like that. Uh, with my father, it's harder because he's more of a person who doesn't like to speak about what he feels, and then he tell him anything about what you feel. He doesn't really care about it. So, basically, he's just a man. Yeah. He's basically just a man. Okay. Why are you, Daniel? Uh, I kind of want to be since I'm close to my mom and my dad, and my dad usually mostly. Like, He's not as affectionate, but he's there, but he's not like kind of there. You know what I mean? I'm not, if he comes, then I'll try to swing deeper. He's just. No, I got it. Gender roles. Yeah, gender roles, basically. And I'd usually confine to my mom if something happens, and my mom is very understanding, so she gets that, and then she like helps me out most of the time, and I help her out whenever she needs me. And it's just, she's always there, so I feel like I'm always going to be there for my mom since she has always been there for me. Sion, what do you think? If you have if you have good relationship with your parents, why do you think that is? Um, maybe because I've always been able to like have conversation and they help me like express myself because I've been like kind of quiet in my whole life. So, really? Quiet. Yeah. Could not believe this. God. <laughs> yeah, they help me like be able to try to speak up. I don't think I've ever seen you with your mask pulled down, so this is a moment. How about up? All right, yeah. Okay. Um. So, oh, okay. So I guess I'm supposed to be with the parent. I think, I think my understanding of my mother became better when I understood that people are just complicated. I think once you are able to understand your parents are just like people, trying to make sense of the world, it's just like okay you didn't really know what you were doing and that's okay it's still it doesn't make things like okay but i think it's one of those things like where like you understand like this stuff is complicated that's what I mean. yeah yeah like we're both trying to make this thing make sense it's like one of the things like actually that makes me like over the years i think has made me a better teacher and a better person because like i interact with so many kids who have so many different weird types of issues I'm just like, all right, so everything's just like complicated for everybody. All right, so that's just what this thing is on so many levels. But um, I'm gonna say in terms of the book, to wrap up the book, the letter, 
what is the one thing you think the author was trying to express about family? That family is not forever. Family is not forever. It's not connected or break apart. It's not connected or break apart, Coyote. Uh, Okay, Sion? All right, is there like at least a positive message you might take away from this? Be selfish. Hey, selfishness is a life philosophy. All right, I'll, I'm gonna get you guys out of here like 10 seconds. Would you, do you think kids should continue to read The Metamorphosis? It was a very confusing book to me. Okay. Yeah, honestly, I would agree. It's very confusing in the beginning, but after, I feel like after reading the book and the letter, the understanding gets way deeper, and I think they should, honestly. Okay. We'll have the rest of you, too. I think it's, I think it's not, I'm sorry, I think it is when I finish. I think it's good. You should read it, because it's like it shows on how people, how family is not, how family is portrayed is not only like that. Like, there's, there's people all go through stuff. Basically, it's still something different. All right, Coyote, you think it's a book people should read? Yeah, I think so. It's, I think it opens their minds more, and to what they should express when they hear about family and that they find family in their In the future, I just always want to remind you guys: it's perfectly okay to decide that you don't like books. It's perfectly okay. If we can do it with TV shows, we can do it with books. I start TV shows all the time. I'm just like, I'm not finishing this. I start books. I, I start TV shows. If a TV show isn't good, like instantly, not instantly, I'll give it like a season. If it's not, if I, I'll give it like a good four or five episodes to flesh out its story. If I get to the end, I'm like, all right, I'm not watching this. Like, I'm not into it. There are stuff that's been like hits, and I'm just like, I'm not watching this nonsense. Um, let me see. Go ahead, Sam. What do you think? Do people should people read this? Personally, I didn't like the book. Okay, that's fine. I think like, this book would help, would help someone in the same kind of family dynamic. Okay. No, you guys, yeah. are, you guys are not like, haven't you, haven't you started a TV show you didn't like? Hmm? Haven't you started a TV show that you didn't like? No, I give it. I give it some time to flesh out its story. Some stuff takes a while. Then the second season, it starts getting good. No, I can't even get past. I can't get past the first episode. Not, not saying it's not gonna watch it. All right, what are you watching right now? Right now, I'm watching. Bleach. I'm finishing Bleach because I took perfect example. I started it when I was a freshman after I finished Naruto, and after like five seasons, it got whacked, and I just dropped it. And then I found out that those were all fillers that I was trying to watch. So then when I skip the fillers, the, the show is good. It's very great. Okay. You're watching anything at all, Sam? Yeah, I watched Atlanta. Oh, oh yeah, I'm like, why not? You, you, yeah, I've watched season three, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for it to finish. I can binge all of it at once. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm the same way, but... You just, you just had to? You just yeah. had to? Okay. I was going to be the best. Okay. Coyote, what are you watching? Uh, I'm not really watching it. Anything at the moment, but I was watching uh, Titans Titan Titan Titan. Okay. <laughs> Girl, I'm all waiting right. for all the dunks to come out. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> what are you watching? <laughs> oh god. Look at you guys. You guys get fresh air and you work. You're not better than us. All right. Anyway, all right, guys. Have a good day. Thank you.
Okay, that was our final episode on the metamorphosis and the life of Franz Kafka. Hopefully the next episode will not be so late. But it will be an interesting one since we will be transitioning into Henrik Ibsen's A Dollhouse and starting up a conversation about feminism, feminist critical theory, and marriage. <laughs>